Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Mary Jo Augustin, Ph.D., who is president of EcoArt South Florida, Inc. Today we will discuss combining art, science, and community. Mary Jo is an accidental environmentalist. When she moved with her family to West Palm Beach in 2004, between the two big hurricanes of that year, Francis and Jean, she was a newly minted art history PhD with expertise in activist art. Art history is a profession not well known for involvement in environmental issues, she tells us. It was the 2004 hurricane experience that first inspired Mary Jo to consider how art could enhance environmental advocacy. Mary Jo seeks to make a difference for South Florida's environment through art that engages community. To this end, in 2007, she founded EcoArt South Florida, a nonprofit that brings together art, science, and community engagement. Mary Jo's increasing interest and self-education in environmental issues led her also to several volunteer advisory experiences, including most recently as a consortium member of 750 an unprecedented 50-year planning effort engaging seven counties in southeast Florida and funded by the United States Department of Housing and Community Development and with her own city, West Palm Beach. She is currently a member of the relatively new City of West Palm Beach Sustainability Advisory Committee, where she serves as the chair of the Subcommittee on Natural Resources and Water Conservation and is a past member of the City's Art and Public Places Board and the Comprehensive Plan Update Committee. Mary Jo, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. You certainly are keeping busy, it sounds. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Yes. Let's start, if you would, help us just get a grasp of the concepts. When we talk about ecological art, what are we referring to? Yes, well, ecological art, uh, it really does relate to the concept of ecology. And eco, in, you know, if you go back to the Greek root, means home. And logi, L-O-G-Y, refers to the study of or knowledge about. So it's the knowledge and study of our home in the largest sense of the word. So when you talk about ecological art, you're talking about art that helps us understand our home, broadly conceived. And when you think about home, you don't just think about our human habitation uh, locations like our home houses our gardens, and so forth. But home, broadly speaking, refers to the entire planet. So the planet engages all of us living things, not just human beings. Human beings and other animal life are in this together for the long term. And so ecological art helps to uh, improve, uh, sustain, conserve, make more beautiful, make more sustainable our home broadly conceived. And that also means our, including both ourselves as human beings and uh, the other species, both flora and fauna that inhabit the earth with us. So eco-art or ecological art really, uh, in order to be effective, uh, is not just something that happens within 
a gallery setting. Usually when we think about art, we think about museums, we think about commercial galleries, and art that, that addresses environmental issues, landscapes and so forth, are beautiful to contemplate in those settings. In no way am I saying that there's something wrong with that or not okay or whatever. Those are our very important uh, ways by which human beings learn to appreciate the broader place of where we live. However, eco-art or ecological art is different from that. Ecological art happens outside the normal art environment. It happens in the environment. It happens in places where water needs to be purified, where energy needs to be created in a, in a uh, clean manner. It helps our buildings to be more sustainable so that we're not throwing off so much carbon. It helps us to uh, create habitat for animals where uh, habitat has been taken down and where we are planting new trees and bushes, but they're not big enough yet quite to handle um, the, the animals that need to live there. So there's sculptural habit, wildlife habitat that can be created while the other um, while the new uh, plant life is coming up that will help to make uh, habitat. So there are many uh, examples I can give, and as we go along, I'll be very happy to do so, which will, I think, help our audience um, grasp a little bit of, of uh, what eco-art is. Hard to do when we don't have pictures to show. <laughs> as an art historian, I'm used to doing lectures you know, with images, because images speak so loudly. But here we are on radio, so it's quite a challenge. We'll have to go with the thousand words for the picture concept. <laughs> Just so that we can all get a better handle on it, if I understood correctly, eco-art is all of the things that you described in terms of understanding our home in a, in a broad sense. But it's also... In a, in a different location from what most people think of as a, the, an art center or an indoor center. If I understood correctly, eco art is generally speaking located out in the environment where it's trying to draw attention. Is that right? Well, it could be indoors. I'll give you an example of, uh, of an artist that, that works indoors on ecological problems because again, we're looking at ecological problems here. It's a, Eco-art is a, is a problem-solving practice. So let's say that um, you're trying to uh, purify the air inside a building, okay? The air, there's something wrong with the air. Either you're producing chemicals that are not right or it's an old building and it's a sick building and so forth. There are artists that are creating indoor green walls that are, that are created from... Uh, plants that have been determined by science to, to be able to absorb toxins. So that would be, you know, to create an artwork that would cover an entire wall, for example, made out of these beautiful plants, would be an artwork that would be an eco-art work. It would be, it would be both aesthetically interesting, it would, uh, it would serve the community that uh, lives in the building while, it, while they're working, um, and it would clean the air. So that would be a very, and it's based on scientific principles. So that would be a, an example of an indoor uh, eco art project. 
an outdoor eco-art project, I'll give you an example of one we just completed here in Florida uh, in Belle Glade, which is a, an agricultural community about 40 miles from West Palm Beach. Um, and what we did there was we were working with a man-made lagoon. Um, Florida is kind of um, dotted with these man-made lakes and lagoons that are used to drain off water so that we have some flood control. And for the most part, they're quite ugly. Uh, they usually are mowed right down to the water's edge. In this particular case, uh, we convinced the community to work with us and begin to transform the banks of this lagoon into a wildlife uh, sanctuary. And we have done a pilot project uh, to demonstrate what can be done, and then hopefully the rest of the lagoon banks will be done in the future. Um, what we did was we took a 30 by 100 foot area of the bank and we planted it with native trees and plants that mimic the planting uh, pattern of a typical Everglades island. So we used native Florida plants that are native to the Everglades. Down at the bottom we had water loving plants in the middle in the transitional zone we had plants and trees that uh, enjoy having their feet wet, but are not necessarily um, water, want to be immersed in water. And at the top, we have the hammock uh, uh, trees and plants that enjoy a drier area. So those, those are the kinds of patterns, the scientific pattern uh, that the eco-art uh, followed. Then interspersed among these trees and plants, which of course, because they're brand new, are very tiny and small, because that's what it was possible to afford. And the artist actually created wildlife habitat sculptures out of um, material that had been taken down in natural areas that was exotic and invasive. So it served two purposes. It helped the, it helped the uh, environment by taking down invasive plants, and then the plants were then reused rather than, than being cut up into mulch. They were actually reused to make housing habitat for the animals, and those are interspersed within the trees so that they will disintegrate back into the ground at the same rate that the trees and plants grow up. So that is a perfect example of eco-art. It was also accomplished with the assistance of 17 uh, youth interns from the Workforce Alliance program, which uh, tar targets uh, at-risk youth during the summer. These young people, although they lived in the area, had never, most of them had never seen Lake Okeechobee ever. They had never been out in the out in the uh, the uh, wild areas around the lake, uh, so it gave them a tremendous opportunity, and they also learned how to make wildlife sculpture. So again, that's engaging science, art, and community. Is this eco art concept something that is widespread? Uh, not in Florida which is one of the reasons why I started the project here. Um, and we are actually, as, as far as I know, the only freestanding organization that is, um, that is actually trying to engage our local artists in becoming eco-artists. We don't just go out and do projects. We are also trying to train artists because we have so few here who are actually practicing. They're only right now, including the, the five artists that we trained in 2010, um, there, there are fewer than 10 in all of South Florida. 
and probably all the state. I, I only deal with South Florida, which goes from Orlando down to the Keys. So the rest of the state we don't address. We only address South Florida. But um, it is a practice that is quite widespread. Uh, it's been growing and evolving for about 30 years now, nation, uh, worldwide. Uh, probably worldwide there are between 150 to 200 eco-artists uh, working at any one time. There are probably six or seven academic institutions that either have a course or a program that trains artists to do something similar, but not necessarily exactly what we're doing here in South Florida. We are the only ones that I have found so far that really have an emphasis on uh, doing, doing art that engages community and is based in science and isn't just, you know, photography of a landscape or uh, something like that. Well, that brings me to the next thought that comes to mind is, is you're describing the concept and the scarcity of artists, which is, does a regular artist trained in the classical sense, let's say, have the necessary understanding of the components that we're talking about here, the environment, the, the community, and to bring all of these things together, are the skills that he or she has through their training, through their own experience in the traditional classical art, For I'm not sure what the term is, are those enough or do they need to go through a re-engineering of sorts in order to participate in eco-art? Well, you know, it, it, it sort of depends. Uh, we believe that it, it, will be a, it will be much faster if we have a program to do that, which is what EcoArt South Florida, one of the important things that EcoArt South Florida was created to do, which was to provide that kind of an apprenticeship. Uh, we believe that uh, the traditional art uh, education that one receives in art school, in studio art school, uh, is extremely important as a basis. So that is why we reach out to artists who have already been through that as opposed to artists who are self-taught. Not to say that there's anything wrong with people who are self-taught, it's just that once you go through art school, like you go through any kind of professional training, you get a lot of feedback, you get a lot of critique and so forth, and uh, you're used to that. So it's, you know, that that whole concept of taking criticism well and being able to apply it and move on to the next level is, is really important. The other aspect is the aesthetics are extremely important. So an artist really needs to understand scale, needs to understand color, needs to understand texture, needs to under, understand uh, all the sort of basic uh, elements that one learns uh, about art and becomes proficient in when you go to when you go to art school. However, you're absolutely correct that that is not enough. Um, one of the things that our traditional studio art program does not do for artists who are trying to get into this kind of practice is to encourage working with um, uh, individuals from other professions. So many times when I first start having a conversation with an artist about whether they would be interested in doing this, they say, oh, I just couldn't go back to school and get a master's in environmental science. I just, I just couldn't do that. Or, 
it sounds to me like, you know, what you're asking me to do is to be an engineer or, you know, I really never wanted to be an architect. Please don't ask me to do that. So that is not the point. The point is that you have to, in order to, to do uh, eco-art correctly, you need to be able to work closely with these other professions, with uh, biological scientists, with engineers, with architects, with landscape architects. All of these people have skills that, that are not taught in studio art classes. And by the same token, um, studio art issues are not addressed in most of those other professional areas. So from time to time, you run across someone who maybe started out in biology and ended up being an artist, but that's very rare. So essentially what we try to do with EcoArt South Florida is to is to provide opportunities during an apprenticeship for uh, for for an artist who has been in art school to have the, the chance to work with professionals in these other arenas on a particular project. So, for example, in the project that I was just discussing, the one we're just completing out in Belle Glade, Florida, where the artist is creating uh, wildlife habitat, he has had to work with a landscape architect. He's had to work with biologists from the South Florida Water Management District and the Florida Wildlife Commission to find out what kinds of spaces within the sculpture are appropriate for particular kinds of animals, if the, the sculpture can accommodate more than one kind of animal, whether it can accommodate both birds and mammals. So there's some technical scientific aspects to it that he has to be able to work with um, professionals who understand that better than he does. Um, the other thing is, in order to, to move the project from just the pilot area to the entire, uh, the entire uh, bank of, of the lagoon, we, uh, we brought in a landscape architect who was creating a master plan. Now, the artist himself works with the landscape architect saying, okay, this is what I have learned from the biologists and these are the places that we need to put things and then the landscape architect actually can do the drawings and the renderings that will that will then can be given out to bid in order for the thing to be built. You see what I'm saying? So it's very different from uh, someone painting a picture or taking a photograph and hanging it in a gallery. On that note, but then this may seem very logical, perhaps, or very obvious, but which art disciplines are we talking about? Say, for example, would writing be considered a form of art? Would theater be considered a form of art? What about songwriting, or as you mentioned a moment ago, photography? What segments or categories of art are encompassed in eco-art as you define it? Well, that is an excellent question, and uh, I'd like to answer it in two ways. First of all, I'd like to go back to this particular example uh, right now. We utilize theater in, in the project because we had a procession uh, of campers that were carrying um, uh, that were carrying puppets, large puppets that they had made to uh, that Represented the kinds of animals we were trying to attract to the to the lagoon uh, for the for the um, uh, dedication of the project. Um, so theater was involved. Uh, we also, as I said, involved um, several uh, professional um, uh, disciplines 
in it as well as uh, the entire community. I mean, the city of Belglade was a partner. Uh, they had to give us a permit in order to do the work. So, so really, eco art is a multidisciplinary practice in which many aspects of the community of professions and so forth all come together to make one project happen. Um, the other example I'd like to give you um, is, is, is uh, this is an artist by the name of Sarah Hall. She's from, uh, she's from Canada. And she is a master um, at creating huge uh, four, five, six-story tall stained glass windows that are uh, studded with photovoltaic cells. They're beautiful, and um, essentially what they do is they not only provide a beautiful uh, amenity for the building, but they create energy for the for the uh, spaces behind it. So, for example, in a particular library that she did, um, the window that she did that had photovoltaic cells in it lights the entire entryway uh, with the electricity that is created by the photovoltaic cells. So that, that uh, making those windows requires um, assistance to her by professional glass blowers, professional um, uh, people who are involved in, in how you put together the, the glass itself, and then also the engineers that are involved in photovoltaics themselves. Let's look at the other side of the equation. Let's look at the public, I'm going to say, which in this case would be, in the traditional sense, the audience that would go, say, to an art gallery. In other words, how do you get exposure for these artworks, which are not in what most people think of as a traditional venue? How do you go about doing that? Well, to give again to go back to our example of the project we just finished um, in Belgrade, one of the things that happened when we began to to work the project was I contacted the Palm Beach Cultural Council, which is our cultural organization here. We had not applied for funding from them because the project came up so fast we we missed their their funding area. So all of this was being done with pro bono and with minimal funding basically um, as a as a pilot. However, as soon as we started working on it, the person in charge of education uh, who goes into the schools from the Palm Beach Cultural Council was very thrilled and said to me, we need to get the students from our local uh, elementary and middle schools and, and high schools out to the site to begin to learn about this work and about how it, how it, how it can, you know, attract the, the wildlife to the area. So we anticipate that uh, it's going to be a major element of the curriculum in the local schools, which had not ever been the case before. So um, there is, an, there is a, uh, a push in Florida right now of something called STEAM in the local public schools, and it's science, technology, energy, art, and math. Okay, and so it's STEAM. And they, the Palm Beach Cultural Council feels that this, our project out in Belgrade is a terrific pilot to demonstrate how art, science, and education can go together. 
So, and the same thing would be go to use the the Sarah Hall example. She mostly does her projects in schools and libraries, so that there there are opportunities for the entire community community to learn about um, the creation of clean energy and how it can work. So, you know, I believe personally that there should be no green building ever built from now on that does not incorporate some form of eco-art that that brings to visibility the green technologies that are operating in the building. So I would like to see eco-art that captures and cleans stormwater off the roof. I would like to see eco-art that is a green roof that actually plants the roof and provides opportunities for people to enjoy it, not only to enjoy uh, the fact that the building is uh, using less energy because the, the green roof is protecting, uh, the, protecting the building from the sun and the elements, but also because it, is, it could be a place for people to go and, and relax and enjoy um, during the day when they're taking their breaks uh, in, in, a, in a business setting or in a, in a school setting. It also could be uh, an outdoor classroom, uh, either on the roof or it could also be an outside um, artwork that is done outside to make an outdoor classroom. What kinds of challenges do you face? You talked about the limited number of artists and, of course, sometimes you're looking at remote locations, you're looking at big projects and a perhaps a venue that is a little bit different from what people might expect. How do these things combine and what are the bigger challenges that that you face? Well, one of the things that we decided at the very beginning uh, of this organization was that we were not going to take on doing these projects as an organization. So, for example, I don't see that we go and establish little EcoArt South Florida's in Lee County and in Monroe County and in Martin County and so forth. What we essentially want to have happen there is that EcoArt nodes begin to grow and that the, the local communities begin to see the, 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 the value of, of EcoArt to their community. Florida is, uh, is moving pretty rapidly now ever since uh, former Governor Chris signed an executive order uh, saying that all state-owned buildings from now on, whether they were new or whether they were being uh, restored or renovated, would have to achieve a certain level of certification. So there are a number of certifying agencies, including the U.S. Green Building Council and the Florida Green Building Council and so forth, that certify a building up to a certain level. And that means that it's using energy better, it's not it's not giving off too much carbon. I mean, all of those kinds of things are aspects of this kind of certification. So EcoArt South Florida is in a great position to begin to work with that kind, with the public sector, too, around, well, if you're going to be doing these green, green buildings, shouldn't you really try to show people what you're doing? Let's make it an educational opportunity as well, and what better way to do it than to engage aesthetics? with it. So um, that that's what we're trying to do is to encourage local communities to uh, take this on as a public uh, uh, project. This is one of the reasons why I sit on these advisory committees that I do because it gives me an opportunity to promote this idea within the government sector as well. 
not sure if that answers your question, but... Yes, thank you. Is there a private sector component? Is there a an interest on the part of the private sector to get involved, to collaborate, to, to understand these concepts and projects? We work very closely with uh, professional organizations and organizations of um, uh professionals that are involved in the urban um, built environment. For example, the U.S. Green Building Council has um, has a chapter in each of, of South Florida's um, uh, counties. So we go and work with them. We, have, we are very close to U.S. Green Building Council. In fact, we've um, done some joint projects with them, joint uh, presentations and so forth with them. The U.S. Green Building Council also includes uh, architects and landscape architects and others and builders and um, people who are involved in, in green technologies um, in the building trade. So we, we emphasize working with them. We also are reaching out to the, the organizations of urban planners, um, the organizations of parks, uh, the organizations of um, architects and landscape architects and doing workshops at their conferences and so forth to help them understand the importance of um, of engaging art with uh, with what they're doing as well in order to show uh, how they are evolving towards a, a greener practice themselves so yes we do we do involve one of the ideas that comes to mind as we're discussing the topic of eco art is of course that the environment this home from the big picture perspective that we've been talking about is very diverse and it varies a great deal from one part of the country or one part of the world to the another what lessons have you learned that you might share with other areas or other eco art programs and vice versa are you in touch with other programs in different parts of the country or the world that you're learning from oh yes definitely there there is a, a wonderful organization that uh is is uh with with highly um with with very very uh, with master eco artists on it called the eco art dialogue and i am a member of that and uh in fact, most of the master artists that we bring to Florida come from that group uh, because they are the ones that have been practicing the longest and have the most experience. Um, so, yes, I'm quite connected with them. They're all over the world. Um, there there are eco-artists operating in India and Africa and all over Europe, a, a number of, of uh, excellent eco-artists in Europe. And, and northern and southern Europe, and also, of course, all over the United States. There's a very high concentration of them in California and New York, as could be expected. Um, but uh, we also are hopefully one of the things I hope we will we will do in South Florida is become a major center for eco art practice. What do you see in the coming years in terms of eco-art and specifically eco-art in South Florida, which, of course, is your area? 
Well, speaking for for my region, and I've really dedicated myself and the organization to uh, focusing on on South Florida. And South Florida is not a small region; it's quite large. In fact, I'm reminded of that every time I'm invited to go from one coast to the other. It usually takes me about four and a half hours <laughs> to drive there. Um, yes, I I would say that um, our we have a goal in Eagle South Florida by 2015 to have an eco-art node and that at, at some stage of development uh, before 2015. One of the ways that we began to identify where we wanted to go in each one of our watersheds, um, there are five watersheds in South Florida starting up uh, just about 150 miles north of Lake Okeechobee, there's a string of lakes called the Kissimmee Lakes, and those are those are one of the watersheds. Then the Okeechobee, Lake Okeechobee is another watershed. The whole east and west coasts of uh, Florida are also the, the east and west coast watersheds. And then the fifth watershed is um, the Florida Keys and Florida Bay down at the extreme south end of the peninsula. So those are very large areas, um, but we would like to have at least one eco-art eco node beginning, beginning, at least beginning to happen by 2015. We have at this point three out of the five, which is not too bad. So we've, and, and they're, they're very much in the baby stages, but um, they are beginning to grow, especially the one we just are, are just starting here in, uh, in Palm Beach County in, uh, in Belgoid. So, uh, I'm sorry, can you just go back for a second, Mary Jo? Yes. When you say an eco-art node, what are you referring to? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yes. Again, as I was saying, we're not about creating little eco-art South Floridas in each one of these watersheds. What we want to have happen is that there will be a group of stakeholders that come together, and they could either be their own nonprofit or they could be uh, connected with another nonprofit or a governmental organization or a private sector group, we, we don't really care who is who is the person that organizes it. But we would like to have uh, something like that happening uh, within each of the, of the uh, South Florida uh, watersheds. And these would be people that understand the value of eco art are, are, and are ready to uh, help eco artists emerge in that particular locale and support them so that we're actually growing our own eco-artists in each of the five watersheds as opposed to shipping people in, which is basically what we've had to do now because most of the eco-artists, as I told you, are in in New York or, or California. So that's a long way to go to South Florida for someone to come down and spend time. We need to have people, our own homegrown eco-artists right here. So the idea is that over time, eco-artists, eco-art would grow within each one of these areas. So that's that's what I mean by an eco-art node. In terms of big picture trends, what do you think we might be seeing, say, in the next two years? With regard to eco-art? Yes. Well... Uh, there are so many opportunities. I I would hope, um, since we are living inside climate change, that the educational potential 
of eco-art within the urban landscape in particular uh, should grow so that we are not only helping to clean water, uh, reuse water. I mean, water is huge everywhere, but in Florida it's extremely uh, important. And so water has to be a major issue. We need to stop tapping our beautiful springs up in the north to provide water for the rest of the state. So we need to we need to be reusing the water. We need to learn way natural ways to clean it so that we're not uh, assaulting the water with chemicals and so forth. So there are natural ways to do it. There are many eco artists that are working with a water cleaning, natural water cleaning um, uh, areas. I'd like to really see that grow very, very, very fast. Um, also in, in clean energy, there's no reason why uh, windmills and um, solar panel farms have to be so ugly. Uh, we need to make them uh, amenities so that people will not will not have the NIMBY approach and not in my backyard approach. Um, that they will actually find the presence of these uh, wonderful clean energy sources as an advantage. And we need to figure out ways to make those clean energy sources not only beautiful but also not harmful to wildlife and to um, our plant life as well. From your experience in just the, the whole concept of establishing and developing and seeing the organization grow and be accepted, what lessons learned would you share with our listeners who are interested in either developing a new organization and concept or specifically in the eco-art concept? What, let's say, three suggestions would you share with our listeners? Well, first of all, I think you you have to be aware that when you have a new concept like this, not everyone is going to, you know, flock to you immediately. So you're going to have to be uh, be, be very uh, canny and um, uh, strategic about where you're going to get your the resources to continue to operate. So that's that's number one. Number two, uh, when you have something new like this that is tapping into new and old technologies in new ways, you, there, there has to be a I think concerted effort to reach out and explain it well to people so that you can move more quickly. We don't have a lot of time to make changes. Um, we're, as I said, we're already living inside climate change, so um, you know we have to learn to adapt, but there are things that we can do in addition to adaptation, that that can help us. And I think that art is an important, very important way to help people learn and move more quickly towards a sustainable future. And then last, I think that you really, we really do have to uh, reach out to have partners in every sphere of life um, that you can that you can find. I mean, we need the private sector, we need the public sector. All of these things need all of these uh, entities need to be influenced and need to become partners with the effort any, in any field that uh, that is doing something very new. So um, it, it's a it's a big challenge, but uh, if you really are wanting to make the changes and uh, tap the potential. Of these new ideas, I think if you follow those three 
um, approaches, you will be successful. We certainly are finding that to be the case in Ecoart, South Florida. In, in summary, in terms of the tips, identify potential resources and support before you get started. Reach out and explain the concepts well, and find partners to support your project. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Those would be the three things I would suggest. Mary Jo, how would you define success? Is it a financial measure? Is it a community acceptance measure? Is it an environmental, from an, an ecological perspective, measure? How do you go about figuring out whether a particular project, a node, et cetera, was a success and lessons learned and all that? Well, I think, I think for us, we sort of have to take our successes in small doses because, again, this is a very new concept in Florida. Um, it's actually a pretty new concept everywhere, uh, even though we do have, you know, a couple hundred people practicing it. It's still relatively small considering the huge uh, scope of, of work that needs to be done. So so I would say that, um, you know, we, we just need to be encouraged by small successes along the way and not be looking too far into the future about what needs to be done. So I'm thrilled, you know, when I get a call from the Palm Beach uh, Cultural Council that up to now has not had shown any interest in in this kind of art because they don't really consider it art, you know. (laughs) So that they're beginning to see, oh, okay, we can educate the community this way. I see. Okay, so now I get it. So uh, when this begins to happen, I just cheer inside because I say, wow, you know, we really we made an we made an important impact there, and they can then become a partner. So so I think it's really important just to, um, you know. Be aware that day by day uh, there are going to be setbacks and there are going to be uh, steps forward, and I like to celebrate each step forward. Okay. Thank you, Mary Jo, for joining us from West Palm Beach, Florida. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Mary Jo Augustin, Ph.D., who is president of EcoArt South Florida, Inc., who discussed combining art, science, and community. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.